Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back. Welcome back to an athlete's journey. I'm your host, Travis Reed. Today, I got a special guest, somebody I just recently hooked up with. But, you know, we seems like, you know, everybody, uh, you know, multiple people <laughs> uh, brought us together. So I think it was meant to be, <laughs> um, you know, good brother, you know, saying someone that I uh, definitely, you know, wanted to interview on and bring him on to the show because, you know, I seen that he has a lot to offer, a lot to say. So and plus, he's an overseas guy like myself. So I always got to stick together with that. <laughs> And I uh, wanted to, you know, go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. Hi, my name is Sean J. McCall, and I am a former, uh, how would I describe myself? A former overseas pro turned teacher, turned author, turned, um, yeah, consultant for overseas basketball players. And and I, I'm very excited to be here today. Like you said, the stars fell in line for us, for us to be doing this. So I'm I'm overjoyed to be here right now. No, I appreciate you coming on, Sean. Like, it means a lot to me. Like I said, uh, check out his clips, everybody. We'll, we'll let him get to his page after the show. But, like, he has some good clips, good knowledge, you know what I'm saying, along with some funny stuff, too. So check out his page. You know, like I said, we'll get to that after the show. We're going to get right into it. We're going to ask you, Sean, how did your basketball journey start? Ooh, man, just like everybody back home, man. Um, parents played, so I was always in the gym. Same like everybody, same story. Older brother tagged along with him to the park. He picked me up on his teams, so I get run with the older guys. Um, yeah, and then I just I just went the normal route. You know, I'm I'm a little bit of an old head, so I was I was there right at the beginning of AAU, which was nothing to do with how it is now. And um, I went to Western High School in Las Vegas, Nevada, won state championship there, then went on to the University of Arizona my freshman year played together with uh, some a really great Arizona team for Coach Olsen. Um, Damon Stoudemire was my, my roommate my freshman year. Oh, okay. I, okay. I, didn't, I didn't like it there, and I transferred. Looking back on it, I was uh, I was impatient. I couldn't wait my mm. turn. Yeah. No. Um, it happens like that, you know, like when you, yeah. you, you come out with a big name out of high school or whatever. Oh, yeah. Is, you, you think oh, that yeah, you should you play. Know. I mean, I went, to exactly. Arizona, I went to UCLA, and after two years, I left, so I get it, you know. Yeah, and I, I okay. I got to tell you, you're you're a LA guy, so you know who this is. I was I was playing behind Chris Mills. Oh yeah, yeah. Chris Mills is the big homie. <laughs> Come on. So I mean, there was no playing time. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. No, there wasn't. No, Mills was 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 real. He was the real you know? deal. Yeah, him you and know, uh, so. him and Sean Rooks, both. Uh, you know, Sean exactly. Rooks got rested. Well, so uh, you know, yeah. Um, you know, like they both with the. The Arizona, I was like, man, and they used yes. to torch UCLA. Yes. I used to get mad at them. <laughs> like, dang. <laughs> yeah, so that was my era, man, and that's how I. That's that's how my my college thing started. Then I went to a JUCO after I left Arizona, um, Dixie College in Utah, one of the best ones in the nation. Yeah, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. And then I then it was like a, a question of where do I go after that? So I had already been recruited by all the top guns and, and things like that. And I was like, hell, I got two years left. 
I want I want to be the big fish in a small pond. I had Wake Forest after me. I had I had a, a USC after me. I had a lot of a lot of top teams after me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Um, Southern Utah University did not even recruit me because they thought they had no chance. And I went there on a on a visit for a friend uh, who was a football player just mm-hmm. for the weekend, mm-hmm. and I wanted a hotel. I wanted to stay for the party. And I told the coach, I had one more visit slated. I told the coach, if you get me a, a hotel room for tonight, then I'll I'll stay for a visit. His jaw dropped because he literally never recruited me, Bill Evans. And then um, he, he did. And I ended up signing that weekend. I was so wow. impressed that I signed that weekend. So I went, at that time, they were independent. They weren't, weren't even in a conference at that time. But I was so sold on the fact of what he wanted to do with me, even though he totally wasn't prepared for it, um, that I decided, yeah, I'm going to be a big fish in a small pond my last two years and see what happens. One of the best decisions I ever made. Okay. Did you, growing up, did you, were you interested in playing other sports? Um, Football was my first love. I can can say that. I I started playing Pop Warner football before I started even playing basketball officially, really. I was just always in the gyms. Mm -hmm. But... Football was my first love, but it was pretty clear that as basketball. I got older, it was just going to be basketball. I got you. Now, I know AAU was kind of just starting uh, during your time. Uh, right. Did you, did you play AAU basketball? Uh, yeah. I played in, uh, with uh, one of the first uh, Vegas teams that traveled, and um, we had some really good talent on that team. We went to – Back then, it wasn't it wasn't the circuit that it is now. You know, you wasn't flying <laughs> all across the country. Yeah. Um, but we went to Arizona State. We had there was one in Phoenix. Um, there was another one in California. I did the Pump Brothers back then. Um, we went somewhere else to Georgia or something like that. So yeah, that was like the beginning of of AU, and mm-hmm. that was a pretty mm-hmm. pretty cool time. Man. Met some really no. really good people. No, yeah, definitely. Uh, in my time. Growing up, my class was 97, so it was like Baron Davis, Jason mm-hmm. Jaron Collins, Shea Cotton, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Kenny Bruner, you know, just a bunch of guys just in the right. 97. But I did see, you know, at Victoria Park, I did see, you know, like Toby Bailey, Charles Bannon, yeah. all yeah. those guys. They were Bannon brothers, yeah. Yeah, yo, Bannon, you know, so I saw Ed, I saw Tracy Murray, Cameron Murray. You know, yeah. like all those guys was like, you know, all in that at that time. So, yeah, the AU back then, it was like it wasn't like it was now. But like it wasn't teaming up. Everybody was going against each other like, a, you yeah. know, three yeah. or four different teams. So that was the era, man. Also in pro sports, that was the era. It wasn't yeah. buddy ball. It was, it was I'm trying to kill you <laughs> and after, after the game. We're going to shake hands. We're going to dap it up. We're going to yep. go have a drink. You know, we're going to talk after that. But during that game, I'm like all in your face. Yep, no, I agree. I agree. So, uh, you're in high school, right? What would you say your most memorable moment was in high school? Oh, um, yeah, winning the championship, winning the state. That was, I mean, back then, and that's 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 crazy how how times have changed because back then high school ball was much more important than AAU ball. Now it's kind of the other way around, and. I don't even know if if kids these days even cherish those moments when they're in high school because they're thinking more about the AAU circuit and things Mm -hmm. like that. But for me, winning that state championship was just dope. That was just, 
incredible and the whole yeah. atmosphere and everything was just incredible man and that's that's the one thing that i I, mean, I still got my championship ring um i that's i loved it that was that was the shit no no man that's why i mean i agree with you 100 percent. you know what i'm saying like i once stayed as a freshman so like yeah like it was the biggest thing like oh my god i just want to stay yeah. in the city you know what i'm saying so you know when the state is huge now you were obviously one of the top players in the you know in the country coming in. What made you choose Arizona? Oh man, that was that's a good question, man. Um, my top five was UNLV. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm a Vegas kid. Mm-hmm. Um, UNLV, Arizona, Arizona State, um, Wake Forest, and Loyola Marymount. Those are my top my top five, and it all came down to basically the fact that I had been a long time Sean Elliott fan. That was my guy when he was in Arizona. He was a mm. beast in college. Yes. And, yes. and um, so that kind of sticks with you. And then when you know, you know, when you got Luke Olson coming into your, in, into your house, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, yeah. his presence, his just like coming in with a suit, his, his <laughs> army of assistants, like, I I honestly would have gone to UNLV, but I knew Tark wasn't going to be Jerry Tarkanian. I knew he wasn't going to be there my whole four years. The the scandals were catching up to him, and um, I knew he wouldn't be there my whole four years. Had he been there, <laughs> had he been there my whole four years, I definitely yeah. would have gone gone there. Okay. But okay. at that time, there was a big Arizona and UNLV rivalry because uh, for 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 recruits because Arizona a couple years prior had gotten Matt Othick, who was also from Las Vegas, and so. Um, yeah, I ended up going to Arizona because, I mean, they were number three in the country. I mean, who, what's not to love about about playing for Coach Olson and and, and going down there to Arizona? No, nah, I hear you. I mean, he came into my house too, uh, Lute Olson. I yeah. committed there, but then I I changed my mind. I was like, I can't leave California and leave go to. Utah. <laughs> that was my. I went there. Like I remember, Jason Terry was my uh, host. Your host, uh, yeah, him and uh, AJ Bramlett, and uh, like I committed that weekend to Arizona, mm-hmm. you know. And it's c- craziness was like that same weekend. That's when Jim Harris got fired from UCLA with that mm-hmm. scandal and everything. Right, I remember. And, yeah, and like I said, Steve Lavin took over, and he was he called mm-hmm. me like the next, like within the next couple of days, like, "Yo, don't go to you know, you know," because I guess he heard <laughs> that I was going to go to Arizona. We still want you, Travis. <laughs> you know, don't yeah. go. You know, and so I, I told. I remember I told Coach O like I can't leave. You know, California. Oh. I can't leave my home. Mm-hmm. You know, so he yeah. understood. But yeah. Um. All right. So you're at you 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 choose Arizona. Obviously, one of the top schools in the nation with obviously great, tremendous, tremendous talent. Yeah. What What do you remember about your first year in college? There's two moments that I remember from my my freshman season. The first is the very first day of practice. Actually, they, they both happened on the same same time. The very first day of practice, um, Chris Mills broke my nose. Oh first wow! Day of um, but I got it. I gotta say, I, I had it coming. <laughs> I, I was the brash freshman, you know, talking shit, no respect. And he basically put me in my place. Like he, okay, okay. he, it was, it was a clear elbow to the nose. Just that kind of shut up young guy. I'm running this here. You sit down. 
and he broke my nose the first practice. That and then I had and they didn't have the masks like they have them now that are sleek on your face, you know. He had Kobe to wear the big. Yeah. They had the big like the, the thing that went across the top of your head, and then the, the, the other one that went across your nose, and then the one down the middle. So it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> and uh, that was, that's what I remember the first day of practice. The other thing that I remember the first day of practice was the fact that I remember watching Damon Stoudemire the first day of practice and thinking, damn, this dude is good. He's mm-hmm. going to be a pro. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a pro. And he was already my roommate, so we talked. We we were we were cool like that. It, it was it was it was. But like seeing somebody practice live, I mean, he already had a reputation, all of that. But seeing him live was just like, yo, this dude is definitely league bound. This dude is good. Those are yeah. two things that I really remember from my freshman year. Mm, no, yeah, uh, I used to watch. I used to watch them all the time. They were the second most. You know, like I uh-huh. obviously watched UCLA. In right. Arizona, because they were the best two teams in the Pac-10 mm-hmm. Pac back then. Pac-10 back then, yeah. Yeah, Pac-10. So it was, uh, yeah, I remember, like, they used to have a squad. Sean yeah. Elliott was the same dude, only dude I ever see dunking on dudes with knee, knee braces on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, knee braces on both knees and just be like, yeah! <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? So I remember that. But uh, what was the hardest thing uh, – like the hardest thing, like to transition, you know, from college, from high school, like the biggest difference. Oh, just, I mean, it's every, every level you go up, no matter if it's from middle school to, to high school, high school to college, college to pros, whatever, whatever level, um, there's, there's an adjustment. And for me, the game moved much quicker. Uh, of course, the coaching was better. Mm-hmm. Um, the passes were harder. I remember, I used to drop a lot of passes. The, the first couple of weeks of pra- practice, I dropped a lot of passes. And it was because I have I have these these my hands, I have my my thumbs are really weird. And they kind of my thumb like goes backwards. And the first thing, if I open my hands, the first thing that touches the ball is not my other fingers, it's my thumb. And it's like mm. a part of my thumb that that kind of if you hit it too hard, the ball is like ricochets. So I was getting these hard passes that I wasn't used to and the ball was just hitting my thumbs and I was dropping it all the time. And it took weeks before I could get used to it. I eventually did, but um, just the pace was different. The coaching was different. The the style of play was different. And of course you as a freshman, you want to prove, you know, and um, you can't really make mistakes as a freshman, not on, mm-hmm. not in that, not on that stage. No, so no, no. that was tough. That was tough for me to realize that, yo, you are not, you are not, you are the bottom on the totem pole. You know? <laughs> nah, I got you. I mean, but on that team, you know, with three, four NBA guys on on, on yeah. one team, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. Um, yeah. You know, like, that's obviously huge. So, you stay for one year at Arizona, mm-hmm. and then you say that you just, out, like, I'm out, I'm not going to really play. No, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't quite that easy. <laughs> uh. <laughs> quite, 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 quite. I I I left Arizona very unceremoniously. Okay, and I'm sure uh, that that the legend of that exit probably is still being talked about in the McHale Center. Um, uh, basically, to make a long story short, I had been on the dog in the doghouse mm-hmm. because I wasn't I, I was messing up in school and stuff. I was 
I'm hanging out with Chris, going to strip clubs and stuff, not showing up at breakfast meetings at eight o'clock in the morning before my first class. I was, I was wild. I was wild. And uh, <laughs> I'm a freshman. He's a he's a junior. Come on, yeah, he's, I, he's I a pro. Him. He's, a, he's he knows, the NBA he guy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, so I was in doghouse for a while. Then I then I kind of got used to everything. I was coming out of. Then the moment when it changed for me was um, we played against Shaq on national TV when he was at LSU. I remember that. It was a Christmas tournament the year before. Before I got there, Shaq killed Arizona in 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 LSU. Okay. And um, the next year was the year I was there. They came to our Christmas tournament on 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 ABC everything, and I got in. I think the last two minutes of the game, Shaq had fouled out. I got in. We blew him out. I got in the last two minutes of the game. I got a nice dunk. I think I scored like six points, something like that. And um, when I got home, on my answer machine, I had 10,000 messages. Hey, why you didn't play? Yo, I watched the whole game. I ain't see you in until the last two minutes. Hey, my, I, I mean, all kind of people hit me up like, why are you not playing? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, well, yo, I'm a freshman. But you know, somehow you still have you still have that that recruitment stuff in your head, like that you're better than that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. somehow I let that influence me, and I kind of dragged that on. And then we um we had we did our our uh, trip to Stanford and Cal. That was our one of the weekend trips that we had, and uh, we played in Stanford. I didn't get in; that was a close game. And then the the Cal game, we were killing, and I was kind of like a fan favorite because when I would get in, I would get dunks. You know, I was athletic. And the, the the crowd that traveled with us was calling my name. They were chanting my name. We want Sean. We want Sean. And um, I, I'll never forget this. I'm sitting right next to Sean Rook. And he kind of he was kind of like my old head. He kind of like mm -hmm. took me under his wing. And so the crowd is cheering for me. And Coach Olsen gets up. He walks down to the end of the bench where I'm at with Sean. He looks at me like he's going to put me in. And then he looks to my left, and there was Ray O's. Now, Ray O's is also from Cali. Um, we were probably pretty much the same position, but at that time, maybe I was maybe a little bit ahead of him. Let's mm -hmm. say it like that in the depth chart. And um, he put Ray in before he put me in. Oh, Everybody's wow. looking at me like, Sean, what you do? I was like, I ain't do nothing. I've been going to study practice. I've been going, you know, I've been, I'm, I'm, my grades are good. Like, I'm good. Like, I don't know. And um, he didn't put me in. And that really pissed me off. And um, to make a long story short, I'm sorry. Um, we got to practice the next day or, you know, the next time we had practice, we we're all in the McHale Center. And if you know the McHale Center, it's right on campus. And at any given time, there's people walking around studying, walking through to get to the other side of campus, stuff like that. And we're, we're in the midcourt stretching, and Coach Olsen comes and says something to me. I don't remember exactly what he said anymore, but he said something to me and I got hot and I said I said something I snapped at him and Sean Brooks was like yo calm down man I was like no fuck this get this um I'm tired of this I'm tired of not playing and he told me to get out Coach Olsen told me to get out give your stuff to the manager come back when you think you can be a part of this team I can tell you I never saw that floor again <laughs> <laughs> I <won't... laughs> <laughs> I walked. I, <laughs> I walked out of there. He when he said, "Give your stuff to the manager." 
I I had on my shoes and that's we were the testing school for the, the very first Harachis, right? Oh, so we okay. were testing the Harachis. I had on the Harachis. I took them off. I, I um, took off my sh- practice shorts, and I I don't know why I did this. I had on some bikers on there. I wasn't I wasn't just hanging. So um, and I took those shoes and the shorts and I threw them in Coach Olson. I walked out of there in biker shorts and socks. <laughs> this is no lie. This is no lie. I walked out of there in biker shorts and socks, and wow. I never saw that court again. There was there was some talk for us to for me to come back to the team right before March Madness, but it never materialized. And, and Coach Olson was one. You couldn't just walk into his office and say, hey, Coach, you know, you had to make an appointment, you know. And he, I made, like, two appointments. He never kept them. So it was obvious, okay, he didn't want me back. So yeah. So I, I bounced. So then I finished the year out. Uh, I think this was in January. I went home for about a week. My parents didn't even know where I was. I was at my best friend's house. Um, Damon gave me money for the bus because I didn't have no money. Wow. <laughs> Damon gave me, gave me money for the bus. I went home. Then came back, finished school, and then I then I left. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, yeah, when you throw your stuff at the coach and walk out in just the biker shorts and shorts. Come on, man. There's people in the stands. There's reporters there. Come uh, on, man. You know. Yeah, you're not I mean, gonna embarrass them. Yeah. No, nah, no. Nah. I was I was young and dumb, man. And, and and the good thing I got it to end the story. The good thing is that years later, I was already playing over in Europe. Years and years later, I ran into Coach Olson at an airport mm. and I went over to him and I apologized to that man and told him, I'm sorry I did that. And I was so immature and he was so gracious. Like when I walked up to him, I didn't expect him to know who I was. He knew exactly who I was when I walked up to him, shook my hand, gave me a hug and he don't hug people. He ain't like that. Right. And um, he gave me a hug. And I told him what I had to tell him, and he gracefully accepted my apology and told me, you know, he had kept up with me, he saw that I had a good career, and he was proud of me. And and don't worry about that incident. It's a growing, a, a, a growing movement. That's what he called it, a growing movement. And that's exactly what it was. Oh, man, I get that, you know what I'm saying? I think that sometimes we get heated, you know, and then we realize that, you know, it was a mistake later on, obviously. Yeah, so yeah, but that's the way it was, man. That was my that was the end of I'm telling you, biker shorts and, and socks. Never saw that court again. <laughs> the fact that you was walking around campus getting to your dorm room like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went, I went into the locker room and I had clothes. Oh, okay, the, okay. I walked okay. out of the court. I walked the Oh, court. okay. I was like, whoa. <laughs> but no, nah, no, nah, that's 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 like that's that's that they probably do talk about you like that's the storm on the storm out like Sean did years ago, back in back in the day. No. <laughs> yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? So, okay. What would you say your greatest triumph and your greatest failure was in college? Um, triumph would definitely be going to Southern Utah. I, I had two great years there. Um, did a lot of good good stuff there. I'm in the Hall of Fame there now. Um, I, that was a great decision. That was a great decision. That was probably the, one of the best decisions. Ranks up in the top five of the best decisions I've made my whole life. Um, disappointment. I, to tell you the truth, I, I would say maybe leaving Arizona, but I don't like to look back on things and, and, and regret. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't regret what, what happened. Of course I would, if I had to do all over again, I wouldn't have done it that way. Uh, so disrespectfully, but, um, 
<laughs> but um, but that was my path. You know what I'm saying? And, and in college, I had four great years of college, man. I learned so much. I did some good things. I played on some great teams with some great teammates. College for me was a blast. It was really a blast. I can't say that there was anything that really disappointed me about college. Mm -hmm. I was lucky. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, that's, you know what I'm saying? That's, I was, that was actually going to transition to the next, next question, which is like, what was the biggest lesson you learned in college? But you kind of already answered it. <laughs> you know don't insult coach Olson like that that's my that's my lesson <laughs> okay all right so you have two wonderful years of southern utah uh yeah. you're a senior what happens next yeah so i'm a senior and um i start getting interest from from agents and um i think i had like seven agents that were interested in me and i, I told my coach um you figure it out right. you weed out you you leave me with three you weed out the other ones. I don't even want to talk to them. I want you to talk to them. Weed them out. The ones that you don't think are a good fit for me. Because, of course, I had aspirations of playing in the league. I knew I wasn't going to get drafted, but I thought, okay, I'm a Utah guy. Um, I'm in Utah. I'll get a look from the Jazz. And I was supposed to play with the, the Jazz in the Summer League in the Rocky Mountain Review. Um, so it was like, okay, give me a, a – find, let's find an agent that will have my both my interests of playing – playing in the NBA and possibly overseas if that doesn't work. It was, it was clear that that those were the two options that I was going to pursue. Okay. And um, I ended up signing with a guy named Massimo Rizzo out of, out of Italy. And um, then for me, of course I had the, the NBA aspirations. Then they had the lockout, the very first lockout, 1995. Oh, it was a lockout in 1995. I didn't even know that. I forgot. The, the very first one, the very first one, 1995. And um, so Everything shut down. No Rocky Mountain Review. I couldn't play with the Jazz. No summer leagues. Not, everything was shut down. So I ended up going to Austria um, mm. to play, which wasn't my first choice. Um, my, my, like I said, my, my agent was Italian. And he had sent me a contract from a team in Italy, a first league team in Italy. But the, 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 uh, because of the, the lockout and nobody knowing if they could maybe pick up an NBA guy because nobody knew how long the lockout was going to last. He was dragging his feet. Why am I going to pay for an unpro unproven college guy when I could possibly get an NBA guy? You know, right. it's yeah. normal. It's a business. Okay. No, I get it. I get that. Yeah. So he was stalling for time and I got impatient and I told my agent, I was like, look, man, I just want to play. Just get me on the first bird wherever. I don't care where I just want to get out of here. Um, I want to play somewhere. So we we devised a plan. He was like, look, there's a team in Austria that's really interesting. They've been blowing my phone up, but the money is terrible. Um, it was I was making 1200 a month plus two hey, years. Hey, hey, I hey, that I made <laughs> 1500 a month my first year in Holland. So I get it. I get that. So, bro. but compared to what, what I was supposed to make in Italy, it was peanuts, right? Of course. So of course. um so I was like, I don't care. Let's go. And he was like, okay, the club is playing in what they call now the, the Euro League. Yeah. It was called the Korach Cup back then. And um he was like, they're playing in the Korach Cup. You can get some exposure. You're gonna you're gonna dominate that league out there, and then we're gonna get you either back NBA tryouts or somewhere in Italy. I'm like, okay, that's the plan. That's how we're gonna do it. So the first weeks, um, everything was good, everything going according to the plan. I'm adding like 26 a game. We're like 11 and 0 in the league. We're doing well. I'm playing well in the Korach Cup, getting seen. 
Um, I think I was averaging like 22, 23 in the Courage Cup. Everything going to plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we had an away game in the league, in my league. Broke my leg. Totally oh. changed the whole trajectory of my career. Totally. Wow. Okay. So I think I was there a total of about two and a half months before I broke my leg. Okay. Dang. That sucks. Yeah. You know? So yeah. uh what happens after that? So after that, I man, I gotta tell you, I've been really lucky, man. I've been really fortunate and really super lucky in my whole career. Even in a moment like this where I broke my leg, I had never been injured before. I'm overseas. I had been there two and a half months, spoke no German, um, um, wasn't making any money. Um, you know, I was I, I still had a lot of luck. So basically what happened was it was an away game. They had to rush me to back to where I lived, like two hours. And they had to do the emergency surgery right away. I had no choice. It wasn't like I was going to fly back home and get, no. Of course. I had to get on right then. And um, the next morning, literally the next morning, I wake up from, from my deep sleep. The team, the, the, the president and the, the coach come in, my team. And they're like, look, we talked to your agent. Everything is pretty set. We're going to offer you the same contract that you have this year. We're going to offer you for next year. The only thing you have to do is you have to stay here for rehab. You can't go home for Christmas because back then there was a big, it was a longer Christmas break. These days it's not like that anymore. So he was like, you got to stay here for Christmas break. You got to rehab, rehab, rehab. And then by the start of next season, you should be good. You're going to play under the same contract. We're going to work with you. And we really like what you, what you brought to the table. So um, we'd like to keep you. Of course, they could have sent me right back home. Right, they could have sent right. me right back home. They didn't have to do that. You know, over here, you get hurt. They put a Band-Aid on you, and they send you home. <laughs> um, but um, but they didn't do that. They kept me. They kept their promise. They paid for everything. Um, and, um, yeah, that started the next year. But um, that's how it kind of went. But I was really fortunate, really lucky that my agent really pushed for me to stay there and that the team was receptive to that. Uh, because, of course, I didn't know if I was ever going to play again. You know, that's the first time I had been, ever been injured in my whole life. So I had no idea. And it worked out that, that I was able to, to rehab and, and stay there. Mm, okay. But that totally changed the tra- trajectory of my, my career. Because after that, I had no intention on staying in Austria after my first year. No. Right, right, right. And right, then right. my second year, um, I still wasn't 100%. And I ended up staying with that team for four years. Did the money go up after those first two? The money, the money went up, but Austria is not a, a high-paying yeah, uh, country, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it, for for Austrian comparisons, I was I was making good money by the time I actually left. Um, but so I stayed there for four years. Then I went to another team in Austria, and after that, by that time, I I was married at the time. Um, my 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 firstborn, my son was born in Austria, um, and I got the citizenship. And once I got the citizenship. That's when I started making money. Mm-hmm. I got mm-hmm. the Austrian citizenship. Sure. I started playing for the Austrian national team. Um, and then I left the country and I never went back to play anyway. Um, because, <laughs> no, because, I mean, the money was just, I mean, I was no, a volleyball yeah. player and 
I, so I could play literally everywhere for as like a, a citizen of that country because I was an EU guy. Mm-hmm. And so that's where yeah, I was more valuable. So my, my money went up astronomically and that's, and I just rolled that on out for the rest of the uh, total of 13 years that I played overseas. So you played 13 years. I was going to ask you how long was your overseas career? Yeah. 13. Okay. So what other countries did you play? How many countries did you play in? So after I played in Austria for five years, then I went to Paris for one, to France for one year. Then I went to um, Portugal the first, the first, yeah, yeah, Portugal, yeah, Portugal. Then I came to Germany the first year, the one year. Um, then I went to Switzerland, and then I came, no, and then I went to England, and then I came back to Germany. And I haven't left yet. I haven't left since then. Okay. So, so what year? Uh, what year did you uh, finish? What year did you finish? Uh, I was thirty-four when I finished, um, and I went right into coaching here in Germany. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I had a, I had two last years here in Germany. Mm-hmm. I knew that was going to be the end of my career, and by then I spoke spoke fluent German. So, and Germany is a great place for someone to like settle down, or or you know, if that's what you want to do. And I loved Germany. I had a great time here and I played here a couple of years. So I knew everything and, and yeah. So I, I ended up staying. All right. I played in Germany for a year. My actual last year in Europe was in Germany. Where were you? I was over there by the base. I played with this team called the Braves. It was second Kaiser division. Kaiser. It might have been, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a second yeah. division Germany. It wasn't yeah. first division. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was literally right by the base. Yeah, I know it. I know it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Who was your I, coach? But, you remember? Actually, it was two coaches. Was it One coach. It was we had like a like I want to say European. You go guy. Coach. Yeah, like a, like yeah. And then Maynard. He, he quit, and then we had another coach. We had the, like the manager was the coach for like two games, and then another coach came and finished out the season. A German guy. Yeah, yeah. Marcel. I don't. I don't remember the name now. <laughs> I think it might have been Marcel. It might have been because we was we was we was fighting to stay up in the second division. We yeah, had to yeah, play yeah. a game to stay up in the second division. I remember yeah. that. It yeah. was Lee Joker. Was my he was the like the, yeah I remember you yeah I remember yeah, yeah. Him, yeah 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 Lee you know, Lee was like the main dude like the American you know Australian right. with the foreigner yeah right um, um but yeah I played in Holland for four years so I was around you know I know about. It. A lot mm-hmm. about Germany, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I played for like the the, the greatest Holland coach ever, uh, Tone Boat. So, mm-hmm. you know, he was like, you know, one like 16 or 17 Dutch championships or whatever. I yeah. was a part of his last one in 2004. Well. Yeah, so. But yeah, I know, I, I know about Germany. My boy, uh, Casey Jacobson, you know. Oh, he was a beast out here, man. Yeah, yeah. Playing for Bamber. Yeah. Playing for Bamber. He was a beast. They won many championships. Too. Yeah. Yep. I play. I, I, that's my boy, obviously. And then I was actually going to sign with uh, Luxembourg. Is it Luxembourg? Uh, I got injured, and they ended up signing my boy Kelvin Gibbs in okay. Germany. Yeah. We played them in the uh, uh, ULIP Cup. And then, I, you know what I'm saying, like they was going to sign me, then I literally got injured that summer. And like okay. you said, like once I got injured again, that was like kind of the last big injury kind of changed my whole trajectory of like pain. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, yes, sir. so based off of your experience, you know, what would be your, your best advice for the next generation of players? Like, you know, what the next generation of players like yourself? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I wrote my book, 
many, actually many years ago. Let me plug that real quick. Same name, different game. Um, I wrote that many years ago and then I updated it in 2020. And I wrote it because I knew that players needed some kind of guide to help them navigate overseas. Mm-hmm. Oh, and hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's what I wrote the book about. And um, so basically my book goes from your senior year of college or actually mm-hmm. the end of your junior year, what you should be doing during your senior year. Mm-hmm. And then the things that to prepare you to, to get you through your whole first year of overseas ball. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the gambit of it. You, I talk about everything from looking for an agent. If you, if you have one, the questions you should ask, if you have to look for one, what you should do, um, what could happen if you get fired overseas? What happens if you get hurt overseas? If you're winning overseas, the culture. Um, so that it, it should get you through your whole first year overseas. Mm. And the one thing that I've noticed since doing that and now also trying to be trying to help these athletes as a consultant, if you're not ready to adapt, you're not going to make it over here. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's clear. Mm-hmm. That's clear. If you are not willing to change your game in some in some aspects, um, be ready for new training techniques uh, or be open for that. Um, there's different rules. If you're in the in, if you're in the, the third league in Germany, you got to have three Germans on the court at the same time. So yep. that influences how the Americans are used. Like there's so many different things that that if you're not willing to adapt and you think it's going to be like back home, you, you're going to be in a world of trouble over here. And I know many players that were more talented than me that couldn't handle it over here. Couldn't mm-hmm. handle it because they weren't willing to adapt. Yeah. And um, I had a, a really good career. Very thankful for the, the career I had. But um, I think the most important reason why I was able to not only have such a long career and then go into coaching right after, also overseas, was and still live here now. I'm, I'm almost 28 years living in, living overseas, actually, um, is, is my ability to adapt. Makes sense. Makes a hell of a lot of sense. You know, for myself, it was like a routine. Like, you know, I, you know, I had to have a routine every day. Mm-hmm. Get up, you know, go to the weight room, you know, or gym. If the gym ain't open, usually it was only open like twice a week in the morning. So, you know, I'll get up, go to the weight room, lift, come back home, ice, take a nap, you know what I'm saying? Get ready for the practice, come back home. I, you know what I'm saying? It was like a straight routine. Yeah. Every yeah. Sunday, I went to the, you know, not every Sunday, but most Sundays I would go to the movies, you know, because mm-hmm. they would have the English movies with like Dutch. The subtitles. You know, yeah, subtitles. Mm-hmm. And long, I was good as long as I had a, a weight room gym, a basketball gym, some form of club. Well, we can go hang out mm-hmm. in the movie theater. I was straight. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, like you said, I've seen so many talented guys can't take it. They can't be away from home or the family yeah. or whatever the case is. Yeah. So, yeah, I understand that 100%. Yeah. You know, so. All right. Well, what would you say the best thing uh, about being overseas was to you, you know, compared to maybe the States? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take that two ways. First of all, as an athlete and second of all, privately, because it's two different things for me as an athlete. Yeah. Ba- basketball gave me so much, man. Mm-hmm. And then it, 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 it just gave me the opportunity to travel. Like I said, I bounced around to different countries. Um, but I did that by design. I didn't, after I left Austria, I didn't want to stay somewhere longer than a season. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I later played in, in Geneva two years and I played, I needed my career in Germany after playing my last two years. But I wanted to jump around. I wanted to see different cultures. I wanted to experience um, living somewhere else, you know, and seeing where where I might want to live one day, possibly. And that's why I jumped around a little bit. Um, that's what basketball gave me, the, the opportunity to experience a lot of things and see what I liked, what I didn't like, and, and gave me an opportunity for then the personal side to that question. Um, it's just much more of a carefree life than what I what I would have had in, in, in America. You know, it's not for everybody. I don't think everybody should just move up over to, to Germany or somewhere. It's a different <laughs> life, you know, it's it's much different. Um, but for those of uh, those of you that would like to do it, it can be a really great life. Man, I got no worries here, man. I got zero worries. I don't have to worry about police brutality. I got mixed kids. I don't have no no nothing with with racial stuff. There's racism everywhere. You're gonna have that, but it's not overtly race racist out here. Um, I back home, I will stay stay behind a cop car for 18 miles if I have to. There's no way I'm passing a cop car in America, right? Because they you know they're running your tags, and no, uh-uh, that's a risk that I will not take. Here, here. Man, I'm 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 doing 130 on the autobahn. <laughs> oh, on the autobahn, yeah, 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 yeah. On the autobahn, you know, because that's you can do that there. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But um, that I would never think to do that back home. Of never. course. Of you course. know, so I'm not scared. I've been I've been reconditioned that I don't have to be scared of the police out here, and that's a very, very freeing feeling. But the moment I step foot in America to visit, man. I'm scared. I'm scared. I ain't gonna lie. Yo, <laughs> I'm scared. I feel you, bro. So, I no, feel you. so for me, with my family, I got kids now, you know, it was it was for me, it's just much more comfortable to live over here. I speak fluent German. Um, I mean, I work, I'm a teacher and I work at an English speaking school. Um, so it's that's not an issue either. But yeah, man, it's just the lifestyle for me was was such that it made sense for me to stay overseas. Makes sense. Like, I mean, to I would say, like, whatever makes you happy makes you happy. Yes, sir. You know, you know. So I do have a you know couple more um, questions for you, and then we, you know, you can go to sleep or you know relax a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm straight, man. No, uh, when did you know when to hang it up? How'd you know you know when to hang it up? You know, I was always very proud. You know, um, I'm all I'm still very proud. And I never wanted somebody to look at me and say, that's not the old Sean. That's old Sean. Ah, (laughs) Kind of like the Lakers with LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So (laughs) like, I, I wanted to make sure I hung them up at a time when I could definitely see the downward progression of my game. I was getting older, slower not as athletic. I was smarter in some ways, but yeah, I mean, I could definitely see the downward trend, but I wasn't, I was still playing in the first league. You know, it wasn't that I was, you know, uh, I don't know, someone playing somewhere in the eighth league, uh, something like that. I was still in a first league player, you know? And for me, it was a situation that um, when I came to Germany, um, I knew I was going to only play one, one, two more years. And my second year, the plan was that I would go into coaching on that team. I would be an assistant coach on that team where I was playing. 
And I always knew I wanted to coach. That was the next logical step. So everything was was planned out for me. So that made it easier to transition everything. I didn't have any problems with with the lights not being on anymore, you know, the crowd cheering. I was, went right into coaching. I was still right in the mix. And the only thing that happened was that my um, my coach got fired halfway through the, the year of my last season. And because we didn't have so much money, they asked me if I would I would be the head coach. So I literally retired in the first league. This is a story that you don't hear ever. First league team fires their coach, ask a player to be the coach. And I coached the last 15 years, the, the last 15 games of the season. As Were head you coach. a player coach or you just coached? Yes and no. I started out as just the coach, like with a suit on and everything. Um, and then we had some injuries. We had a really bad rash of injuries and one suspension for a guy caught smoking weed. And um, we didn't have enough players anymore. We only had nine licensed players and you need 10. So they had to reactivate me as a player coach. So then I had to be, instead of being on the sideline with a suit, I had to be with a, with a sweatsuit on and my uniform under the sweatsuit. I could literally sub myself in. And it happened two times. I had to sew <laughs> myself in two times. Yeah. So that was wow. My, so you actually had a so you had a sweatsuit and you had your jersey and stuff right. on. Right. I had my jersey, I had everything on underneath, my my game shoes, everything. And I think that was that was like the last four games of the season. I think I had to do that. And um I had to sew myself in twice. Yeah. <laughs> Come in for like five, ten minutes to get a bucket here and there. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. <laughs> No, that's cool. That's I, I never heard of that story. There's only one other person I ever seen player coach. That was Bill Russell. So yeah, yeah. Okay, I wasn't quite like Bill Russell because we we were we were we was thinking it up and we moved down to the second league. But, <laughs> <laughs> but but it was the experience for me because that's what I wanted to do. That's that's exactly I wanted to coach, and then I went on to coach eight more years. Okay, okay, okay. So what was the transition like after basketball was done? Was it like the easy transition because you? Obviously, you went straight to coaching, but, like, did you ever think, like, man, could I do one more year and not do one more year? Um, you know, coaching is different than than playing, man. It's a lot more stressful. It's a lot more work. Um, and to tell you the truth, after about my eighth year, I was a little bit burned out. But I still wanted to coach because I loved it. But then I made a, a, a family decision to stop coaching. Mm -hmm. um, I, was, I was living where I live now. I was coaching here and um, I had an offer to be an assistant coach in the first league with one of my best friends who was coaching in the first league. And, but the problem was that his, his team was in the very South of Germany, like six hours from here. And um, I didn't want to move the family again. We had moved a couple of places while I was coaching and my kids were getting older, you know, in school and I didn't want to move them again. So we said, okay, we're going to stay here. But, I'm going to look for something else. If I find something else, I'll stop coaching because I didn't want to move the family. And yeah. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be six hours away and my family be here. That's not a, that's not a marriage. That's not a relationship for me. Right, so, right, right. Um, so I said, okay, you know what? For the family, I'll see if I can find another job. If it pays me something, uh, what, what, what we need to live, you know, something like that. It's not going to be what I was making before, but okay. Just a normal life. Then, then I'll take it. And luck, as luck hap happens, man, I told you I've been real lucky, man. I um, 
I put in for an application for a teaching job here in Germany and where I live. We have a, a, a English Cambridge school here. And they hired me like three days later. So wow. I told my wife, okay, if I find something, mm-hmm. then I'm gonna I'm gonna stop. If not, then I have to take this job in the south of Germany and we'll figure it out. Put in the application, went for an interview, three days later I got hired. Mm. Easy decision. And the, the funny thing is. After I got hired and I became a teacher, I did not watch basketball for two, three years. I totally stayed away from basketball. We, we got a pro team here. I didn't go to the games anymore. I, I, I didn't watch any NBA. I didn't watch any college, nothing for like two and a half, three years because I was just so burned out. I had been doing it my whole life. Right. And then slowly I started coming back. Then I wrote the book. I rewrote the book, brought it out in 2020 when, when we had some time, you know, and um, much. and then slowly but surely it sucked me back in. Basketball has sucked me back in, and now now I'm doing consulting for athletes that want to come overseas to try to help help their journey. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like I said, I wrote the book, same name, different game, and um, yeah, and I'm and I'm more and more back into it. Okay, okay, well, yeah, basketball can suck you back in. I remember when I oh, retired, yeah. I didn't watch basketball for like two years. I know it's like fuck ball, fuck everything, you know, fuck life. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I know it, man. Yeah, so so now it's um, you know, better, you know. Um, well, when it comes to the, you know, we always ask this question to all our uh, you know, people get interviewed. At one point of our careers, uh, we all go through low points, you know, in our mm-hmm. life, uh, either overseas or in the States. How did you get over that low point and what did you do to get over it? Did you was it family? Was it you? Was it God or was it whatever? How did you get over that low point in your life? Man, I'm telling you, I, I've been really lucky, man. I haven't really had any low times. I've been so fortunate. And that's why I'm doing what I do now to give back because this game gave me so much and I want to help somebody to have that same feeling that I had while I was playing overseas. My lowest point we've already talked about my broken leg because I had never been injured before. And I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to play. Mm-hmm. Of course I, I have, I was down, you know, but you know, the next day they come and tell me we're going to give you a new contract. So it's like, I got no time to be, to, to be depressed. I need to get fit. Like I'm need to, I, I, I'm a very ambitious person. So it was like, literally I was asking the doctor, yo, can we get started? I'm laying in with my foot up, uh, laying in the bed. No, we can we get started? What can I do? So I didn't even have time to to sulk or or think about how depressed I was because I was all about being fit for that next season. So the lowest point that I've ever had, I never really had problems with payments being late, stuff like that. I I'm telling you, man, I've seen it happen to everybody. Right. I didn't have that kind of stuff. Right. So that that moment when I broke my leg was by far. The, the lowest point that I've ever had in my basketball career. And I would say I had just, I just had a good support system. It was my family as well, you know, um, but my family was in the States. I was in Austria. So I had mm-hmm. some good teammates, Mike Coffin, my guy. Um, and um, yeah, I just had some good teammates and, and a good situation that helped me through that. But I, like I said, I didn't have time to, to, to feel bad for myself. No pity parties. It was like, yo, and we, I'm still in the hospital. What can I do? That makes sense, man. That makes but I'm sense. thankful, man. I, I, I appreciate that question because it really lets me reflect on the fact that how lucky I was in my career. 
No, nah, yeah, definitely. I definitely, you know, everybody deals through, you know, certain traumatic things differently. And like you said, like you were pretty lucky to where like, you know, the traumatic experience was still a blessing in a way because you got another right. year, another year of, of, of hooping, you know? And so like, I right. get that a hundred percent, you know, I, I mean, I, I speak of a person who's had multiple surgeries on her legs. I understand, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I get that. Different beast. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. So, Sean, I want to say thank you, man, for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you so much, man. Um, you I love your journey. Like I said, we're going to obviously pump your book. You know, where can people find you? How can they get your book? You know, how can they, if they're looking to play overseas, how how can they get in contact with you? The The book is called, once again, Same Name, Different Game, Your Guide to a Successful European Rookie Season. And written by me, Sean J. McCall. So you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on my homepage, SeanJMcCall.com, um, as well as the other consulting things that I do, um, mentoring, things of that nature. And on Instagram, I'm, I'm really heavy. Um, that's where I do the most, where I, I get in contact with players or players get in contact with me who have questions about playing overseas. And I try to help guide them into the directions and answer their questions. That's, that's a really big part of it because a lot of players just have no idea. So if you've got a, a question, please hit me up on Instagram, Sean J. McCall, Sean J. McCall on Instagram. Um, and I will get back to you for sure. And uh, there's no such thing as a stupid question. So if you got a question, hit me up and I'll hit you back. All right. All right. See, we, uh, we, we want to make sure every, uh, everybody understands, like I said, like I speaking from experience, my first year was insane. I was on five different countries in two months. Wow. You know, yeah. I, I started out in Bogota, Colombia. You know, uh, played over there for a couple months. To, I signed a contract to go to Poland in Bogota. Came back home for a week. Went to uh, Poland. They literally cut me because I wasn't 6'10". They cut me, <laughs> you know, like they said, we want a 6'10 guy. He's not 6'10". <laughs> <laughs> didn't matter. It didn't matter at all. Like that was the first time I realized. So uh, when I sign a contract, it's a tryout. I don't get it. Like I thought it was a year oh, yeah. contract. You know what I'm saying? It was like, nope, it's a tryout. And they didn't give me no money. <laughs> I was there for like almost a month. Mm-hmm. You know, went from mm-hmm. there to France. Uh, mm. Yeah, was in France. Coach uh, learned. I didn't learn. I was like, I had a car. Didn't know how to drive. Didn't understand like the language. <laughs> uh, so I was hand washing my clothes. <laughs> you know, my clothes got left in Poland. They threw the bag away because it was too heavy. Man, you know, uh, from France. To, yeah, no, I, I was in Paris. Stayed there for like two weeks waiting for my agent because he was French. He came out. We went, we drove to Belgium. Uh, coach was a it was a it was a dick, release me. And then I fire my agent right after that. Like, man, you ain't done nothing for me, man. Get out of here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, after that, I got a new agent, you know, like it was who was who was Dutch. And he was like, Look, you know, you, you could come to Holland, we're right here, you're in Belgium, try for a team. I mean, the money ain't gonna be nothing, it's fifteen hundred a month. And I was like, at this point, I was like, what do I have to lose? Mm-hmm. And so and that's how I got to Holland. I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. We I played, we we played the eventual champions of the league. That was my first game, and they ended up smacking us by like thirty. 
And mm -hmm. I was shaking the coach's hand like, thanks, coach, for the opportunity. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I thought I was going home. I didn't care that game. It was funny. I had 30, but I shot about 29 shots. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't care. If they're going to cut me, they're going to cut. I'm going to cut me being me. And he was like, oh, no, no, Travis going to keep you. I was like, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? And then, obviously, you know, playing in Holland for four years, you know, Estonia, mm -hmm. Ukraine, uh, Romania. So, you know, finished out in Australia and then Germany. And then yes, last sir. year was Australia. So, yeah. So, yeah, the journey was crazy. It's a crazy journey. Hey, you um, you're gonna be on my pod in a couple of weeks, so we're gonna. I'm, I'm definitely gonna ask you about that about oh. your your journey. So I definitely want to hear this when when we're on my on my pod. Oh no, Dad, yeah, definitely, man. It's trust me, it's it's some crazy stories, bro. You know, say you probably <laughs> have some, but yeah, definitely some crazy stories. So, well, all right, yeah. uh, you can follow me at Travis Reed. Um, that's Travis W R E E D on Instagram. Uh. And Facebook, Travis W. Reed. I, have, I put, post both of my social medias on both sites. Um, you can also follow me on my link tree. This, I have it on my Instagram page. And if you're still looking for that Athlete's Journey merch, uh, feel free to DM me or message me because uh, I still have some shirts. You know, I got more shirts made uh, because most of the shirts uh, that I had for the first rip uh, is mostly gone. So especially the big ones. So hit me up now because everybody wants to do, you know, the double X. Even the women. The women want the double X shirt because I don't know if maybe they sleep in it or when they give it to their dudes. I don't know. So, like I said, thank y'all for listening and we'll, we'll check you out again. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.